Don't clap yet. When I was 16, I applied for my first job. Um, I grew up in Vail, Colorado. So you may know where Vail is, a resort town. And I like to ski. And uh, I always wanted to learn how to cook. And I saw a job posting, and I was 16 years old, in the paper uh, for a pantry chef at this very fancy French restaurant. And it was run by a Belgian chef named Daniel Jolie. And um, I called up, called the kitchen. He picked up and in his broken French that I could come in for an interview. And I thought with my two years of high school French and cooking with my parents every day or so uh, that I was qualified to work in this restaurant and I was going to make it so. And I went to the interview and I promptly started with like a je parle français kind of thing and, and he kind of lit up that I was somebody and I think somehow I said, I cook every day and then he really lit up and, some, and then he just started t speaking French. So for an hour I sat there and I nodded and wee, 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 yes, yes. I had no idea what he was saying because obviously two years of French I could conjugate a verb and that was about it. Um, but at the end of the conversation he told me that, um, you know, you seem like a good kid, you can speak French, you're one of us, and you cook all every day. You come back and you cook for me tonight uh, at the restaurant. We'll give you, if you survive, then the next day you can, you can work in the restaurant. It's kind of typical restaurant uh, initiation. So a couple hours later, he's like, literally, come back in an hour. So I show back up in like my, uh, my dockers, my, uh, my tie, and my button-up shirt. I think that's how you would want to work at your first job. Didn't know that a kitchen, a commercial kitchen, doesn't really like, go that way. Um, but anyways, I threw an apron on, and, um, and do you guys all know what a pantry chef is? A pantry chef is somebody that cuts onions, washes lettuce, basically cleans the grease trap, does just, you know, menial labor. I was happy with anything, so long as I could work for this guy. But he, I think he thought this was funny. So he put me in the pastry chef station. Now I think he thought it was funny. I also think that he didn't understand that I said uh, pantry when I really, he thought I was saying pastry. And he thought I really didn't know how to cook and that I really was maybe somehow kind of lived in France or somehow I spoke French. And he, the maitre d' wheels the, the dessert cart out and shows me the desserts and then this is creme brulee, this is the chocolat, and okay, when the orders come in, you make them. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, he's gonna kill me. It's like 5.30, I'm 16 years old, I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's how it happened. The tickets started coming in and I had to flame creme brulee. I'd really never done any of this. He's yelling at me. It was my initiation into the kitchen world. At 1 a.m., I got a beer with the staff and I was like, this is the coolest thing. And they said, you come back the next day and we'll teach you how to cook. And um, <laughs> so for the next couple of years, I learned uh, how to cook fine foods uh, from Daniel Jolie and, and the restaurant. And, but what I really learned, which was, at, which was interesting, what I want to talk about and kind of how it relates to quiet design is, um, you know, if you've ever, see, you know, now with the cooking channels, you kind of see the back of, a, of the restaurant a lot more than you did then. There wasn't a cooking channel back then. And um, what you notice in a really fine restaurant that's run well is as crazy as it can be, there's order to it all. And the chef brings this order to chaos. And the, one of the ways they do that, they instill with you this idea of this French term called mise en place. Does anybody know what that means? Like everything in its place. So every day, mise en place, mise en place, it means your whole station is set up, it's ready, and you know where everything is, and this is like your world, and you're organized. And that's what was drilled into me every single day. It was my mantra, I'd wake up, mise en place, mise en place. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, mise en place. And after a few months, it started to actually influence my life, in my, my personal life outside of the restaurant. 
I started like tidying up my room more. I would take better notes in class. And I really started to thrive on this idea of bringing this order to the chaos. And so that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. Um, so we're gonna talk about the need for quiet, um, the definition of quiet design, the evolution of a brand, of all brands from old to new. Um, I'm talking about this new company that I started, Alpine Modern, which we started in uh, Boulder, Colorado, that focuses on quiet design. We're gonna take some time to identify uh, kind of a compare and contrast of uh, quiet design versus loud design, and how do I how to how to see those types of brands and those companies, and then I'm going to give you guys some just some language and some talking points and some tips on how to to talk to brands that um, that embrace this idea of quiet design. Now, that is the last slide you're going to see that looks like this because I want to give you an example of this, which is not quiet design, and this is what the slide should have looked like to our brand. So that's quiet design, that's not. And this is what our world is filled with, is this noisy design. So everybody pull out their phone, who's not bored sick of me in the first five minutes, that already has it out. And I want them to go to their home screen and open it up. And take just a minute to look at these three of A, B, and C. You can see this one person has 6,000 emails here. There's six, but it's a lot going on. And there's this one here. Obviously uh, from quiet to kind of the loud. Show of hands, how many people's home screens look like this? We got one, two, three, four, five, and me. Six, okay, uh-oh. Uh, B, we have there, and C. So 90% of the people are kind of the B and the C. So the average number of times you open your phone, or people open their phone, actually this is across the globe, is 110 times every day the, that the average person looks at their home screen. And what's amazing to me is I look at my home screen more than 110 times, and I bet most of the people in this room do because we're business professionals and it's part of our office is there. So let's say that 110 times at a minimum, you are looking at this disgustingness of noise, right? So that's one aspect of your life that is noisy that you actually control, although we don't take the time to control it. Most of us, most of us don't. And so this is one, and I'm gonna show you guys a few other examples. Um, but before I get there, I just wanna go through some synonyms, both quiet and loud, so we're all on the same page vocabulary-wise. Quiet, these are some words that um, we use a lot at Alpine Modern. Restrained, understated, organized, subtle, and soft. And then this is loud garish, lurid, harsh, and brash. It does not mean that one is better than the other, and I'm not up here today to talk about the, uh, a hierarchy between quiet and loud, that just that these are the extremes of volume and extremes of brands and, and personalities. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful if you're loud. <laughs> In fact, b before I did the presentation, um, I wanted to, I took, real quick, I don't know, who's this? Who's, uh, sorry if the person, okay, John, sorry, you didn't get your permission. Before I went out and took this, because look, there's Trump up there. And um, clearly his brand, Trump brand, I mean, he's got flashy brass, he's, it's Donald Trump, he's loud, he's boisterous, everything about him, and that's why people love him, he, it's him, right? Donald Trump, from his buildings, to his personality, to his water, to his steaks, I'm assuming, exude loudness, and, and, and Trumpness. <laughs> um, have you guys been to the gas station that now has advertisements while you're filling up your tank? 
another way that that's the boy, you get an airplane, now we're on Wi-Fi, you fill up your gas, and now you're getting advertisements sent your way. Um, I think today is the 12th, so it's just a couple days ago, I took a quick screen capture of Amazon's um, homepage of their website. See my stuff up here. Luckily, I don't have any in my cart. Um, this um, is a, probably a site I visit once or twice a day, just to, I don't know, research something and find it. Look how busy this is. And I like this. I mean, there's, there's purpose around this busyness. But this, with your phone and Trump's building in the background, we've got a lot going on. Um, Louis Vuitton, and there's a, many other very well-known luxury brands. We're going to talk about this whole idea of new luxury. These staple luxury brands um, are, in many ways, using a very loud branding approach, right? And the reason that they're doing that, in this sense, um, is because there's a, there's a pride in, in, in owning that product. And there's kind of the, you want to exude that, hey, I'm carrying the Louis Vuitton bag. But we're going to talk a little bit about the new luxury and how that's not necessarily the case. Uh, just to go back to Chef, this is Jamie Oliver's website. Could there be any more links on here? Maybe a few more, but crazy. What's that? Oh, we're going to get into fonts soon. Don't worry. Um, OK, this was just interesting, because last week, uh, me, my wife, and our two young kids um, happened to be somewhere outside of Denver. I don't even know where we were, but it was in the burbs. And um, somebody told us to go, where to go eat lunch. And there was this, as the kids said, like a dancing turd on the menu. <laughs> And I said, I gotta incorporate that in my presentation somehow. I don't know if it's noisy, but it's nasty. That's all, we're gonna move on. All right. Dancing turd on a menu, come on! And somebody paid to design that. And it's called the Gnarly Root. Oh, I'm sorry, Gnarly Root, if anybody's a big fan. All right, so let's talk about the definition of quiet design. Um, these are just some words that I kind of talked about before, some of the synonyms, but breaking it down into a little bit more of um, a specific. Firstly, before we talk about these, these, ex these kind of examples of quiet design, um, I want to make it clear that what I'm talking about here today with quiet design is actually more than just design and fonts and a look. It's a lifestyle. It's the idea of mise en place, that there are brands and people and groups that believe that a, a more organized uh, uh, um, life, a more organized uh, look, a uh, more organized service um, is um, a quieter or more calm way to live. And I'm going to show you some examples of some brands that are, that are exemplifying this. So restraint. One of the most difficult things about, um, have, about uh, being a quiet design brand is having the restraint to be quiet. So when the, no when the world keeps getting louder, it, it, our impulses are to speak up louder so that we're heard. But to actually achieve quiet design, you have to get quieter. You have to get quieter than what's happening out there, and it takes a ton of restraint in order to do that. Um, the idea of less is more, Dieter Rams, the uh, designer that really believes in this kind of philosophy that when you have less, you're actually, so that singular message, that singular design, you're actually speaking more and more focused. Um, we always say we consider every detail. Anytime it's quiet, that because it's quiet, there's less going on, that every detail matters more uh, in that sense. The order from chaos, we've discussed that. Um, the efficiency in design is really important. I didn't put environmentally friendly up here because I think it's too much of a buzzword, but all these things actually do lead to a more ec uh, an eco-friendly 
nature and they do better things to the environment because you're using less, you're, you're being more efficient with the way you're designing, thinking, and doing. White space, this is a little bit specific. We're gonna go into some examples of how white space is one tool, kind of trick you can use. You can see how I'm using this in the slide here where if this was crazy with a lot of things going on, it just would be louder and with all this white space, it kind of gives a sense of calm. Um, and lastly, quiet um, exudes confidence and it exudes, a, I believe, a, um, a long-term investment um, in, in, the, in confidence that when you're loud, you get this like quick impact and quick you know, ramp up. So you know, it's, it's the idea that, I don't wanna use Trump too often, I'm not gonna use him. Let's talk about emails for a minute. Um, so if every one of your email blasts going out is the sale and it's loud and there's exclamation marks and there's emoticons and there's whole nine yards and every single time you're doing that, um, it starts to lose that you're actually, um, this is what the, the, uh, the lady that was here before talking about the expert in your field, it starts to lose that idea that you actually know what you're talking about. And that when you have, when you're quieter, and we know this from like more powerful leaders, that when you're quieter, people are listening more intently and you kind of exude a greater degree of confidence. And that's what we're gonna talk about with the brands. So every brand, I believe, if they're on a path to success, is on a path to a quieter design. And this is one example here, which is Apple. It's their original logo from 1977, which is actually is much better than the one they went to here in 2000. But clearly, there's a, there's, it's a little louder with all the colors going on. Early 2000s, they have this more kind of shiny, uh, embellished logo. And then after, what is that, 40 years, they go to the simplest form, the quietest form of that logo. In fact, on the new MacBooks, you'll notice, it almost looks identical to what I put up there, they're no longer even lighting up their logos anymore. So why would a brand stop being so showy as they get bigger? Because it shows, we're gonna show some of the examples of this, but because it, it actually exudes a greater degree of luxury, the less loud that it is. Starbucks did the same thing. We've seen that from their cup and their design of their mermaid over to here from kind of busy to simple. And this, does anybody know Common Projects? You know Common Projects. You know, so great. So Common Projects, and this is, a, this is a very interesting one. So here's a shoe that uh, started by two guys out of New York. They make them in Italy. They're between $400 and $600 a pair, and there's no logo. The only thing on this shoe is a serial number and then the European sizing here, so that's a 41. These shoes are it. If you're into shoes, you're a movie star, you're a rapper, you're, um, doesn't Ellen DeGeneres wear these? I've seen who's famous for kind of coming out with these. But there's no logo on them. These guys are killing it. They are at the pinnacle of luxury. And what they've done, and what the new luxury brands are doing, is they've all realized kind of this next generation of kids and designers are coming out and saying, well, why don't we just leapfrog this whole evolution of design and luxury and start over here? Let's start quietly because the world is noisy and let's come up with this, the pure shoe, the purest form of design. And that's what they did with Common Projects. Okay, so I'm not gonna go into the history of iClick. I think a lot of you know what the company does as a supplier, but very briefly, five years ago, uh, my family and I moved from Seattle where we started the company and iClick still resides in Seattle. We moved to Boulder, Colorado, um, back home, kind of near our family to raise our kids. 
And two years ago, I started uh, a new company, which I'm going to talk about, it has a few different businesses within it, called Alpine Modern. And Alpine Modern, you'll see, as I'm going to show you some examples of the style, it was really difficult when people would ask me, uh, what is the style of Alpine Modern? Like, what is it? And I would say, well, it's, um, it's kind of a minimalist, modern, cool thing that's also dealt with the mountain. And I kind of give this kind of longer explanation. And what it dawned on me, and this is where I came up with the term quiet design, was that was what I was always trying to get to. It was the idea that the design um, uh, was not necessarily modern. It wasn't minimalist, because that just feels so cold and modern evokes that idea of like glossy and, 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 um, and glass and, and brass and that kind of thing. And to get there to the quiet actually brings the warmth that we're all looking for with modern. So bridging those two things together, which is also alpine and modern together as nature um, integrating in with modern, was those two things. And I think it's the hardest thing to do in design is bringing a, um, a very modern and elegant shape to something that's also very warm. And those two things come together is when magic happens. So this is our Instagram. You guys want, I, I didn't even think of a better way to show you just some examples of stuff that from our feed. Uh, so these are just some of the homes. And then I'm going to talk to you about the businesses that they kind of represent. So this is, um, I don't remember this one. I think this is in Canada. Um, that's in, uh, if you guys have seen that, in Iceland. Um, that's a great Alpine modern style home here. But I mean, look at the comments of folks and you know the likes and just a little bit here. Um, another home, Thunder. That one's just kind of fun. So, okay. So what did we do with the brand? So I wanted to create a quiet design brand that um, that touched customers in three different uh, kind of different points. So the first point is on retail. So we have a retail shop, a physical retail store, which you're seeing here, just more to the back of it, um, that sells product that allows you to live this quiet design lifestyle at Alpine Modern. We have a web store, of course, too. Um, then we have the editorial side of the brand, which is promoting the idea of Alpine Modern to the world. We had a print magazine for about two years, we had a printed quarterly. It was 128 pages of original content we printed every three months. It was distributed all over the world through Barnes & Noble. And then at some point it got way too expensive to keep printing a magazine. And we only closed this down about four months ago. And um, it was interesting that print had led to our digital, which is where we're at now, when we got a call from Apple. And Apple, we got an, we got an email call. I don't think Apple actually calls. So, <laughs> They emailed, and uh, there's like four people from Apple.com on there, and they said, you know, our editorial, one of our editors at Apple News bought your magazine in San Francisco, and it's at the desk of Apple, and everyone's reading it, and they think it's like the most beautiful thing. It's really cool. It really resonates with us, and we want to help you uh, get on Apple News with these big publishers. We're like, gosh, we've been kind of finding a way to, to, to kind of exit the magazine anyways because it wasn't making a lot of money, but it was making a lot of excitement. So long story short, if you go to Apple News, you'll see Alpine Modern as like their featured channel, and we're publishing a story every day, and it's going out. And it was a really cool partnership where somebody that we also very much respect, and of course that's very large, kind of put their stamp of approval on what we were doing, 
And uh, we were really proud of that. And that just launched like maybe about 30 days ago or so. And then of course we have our website that we'll do our editorial to on. Okay, and then lastly we have our cafes. So we have um, your, um, we have the retail, which is the acquiring of the brand. We have the editorial, which is the inspiration for the brand and the lifestyle. And then we have uh, our first cafe and the next cafe opens up in about three weeks, which serves to um, give people the experience of Alpine Modern. So this is our representation of architectural designs and environments that showcase quiet design in a space. Because you can read about it, you can buy some stuff, and then you go put the thing back in your house, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't really look like it did in the showroom or in the store. And I read that cool home, or I saw the Instagram feed, but it doesn't really resonate for me. And this was kind of the last piece of the triangle we wanted to put together with the brand was Alpine Modern Cafe. So it's Alpine Modern Shop, Alpine Modern Editorial, and Alpine Modern Cafes. So this is the cafe here in Boulder. We took a, an old, it was the original grocery store in Boulder, built in 1923, this really amazing old stone structure up by the university. And we gutted the inside, and we made it modern on the inside and kind of retained some of the cool historic elements on the exterior. Okay, we're gonna come back to that one in just a minute. Um, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about identification of brands that um, exemplify this quiet design. So I know we talked about Starbucks um, as a logo. This is a typical Starbucks point of sale. We've all seen that, right? It's really busy. So this next wave of luxury, which we're trying to promote, we're seeing a lot of other brands I'm gonna show you do as well, um, this is what we think it looks like. So this is our cafe. This is the front, you saw the, 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 um, the dining room over here. Now this is the front going into here. So we have the espresso machines are actually all under the counter so you can talk with the folks on the other side. And so there's just the little group heads and the steam ones here. And the reason I bring this up is because in our entire cafe, much like Common Projects, there's zero branding. There is not a logo, there is not a name, there is nothing inside. And we all sat around and it was really hard. It took a lot of restraint not to put your logo and be like, it's Alpine Modern Cafe. But we all looked at each other and we said, if you're an idiot, and you're in the cafe and don't know where you are because where you walked into, then leave. Because you're not really, sometimes people are like, you know, where am I in here? I wonder. Because there's obviously a sign on the outside that's, you know, very tasteful. But we wanted it to feel like you were clearly in a commercial establishment, but you were in a warm and inviting place that just felt clean, that felt modern, and it didn't feel noisy. There was a respite from the external world. We've all seen the polo horse. It is a gargantuan polo horse. <laughs> and I have followed this just anecdotally for, I don't, know, when, I don't know when they started doing this, probably five, six years ago. And I saw it first when I was on a trip to China. And um, in China, they love this big horse. One of the reasons is because they, and I don't mean they as a total cultural civilization, but I saw a lot of there because polo to them is very new and it represents luxury and they want to show it off. But very quickly, that is a short-term solution for polo because very quickly it's going to be garish. It's going to be just, ooh, there's the big polo horse. And so this is my tricky um, little graph I put together here. We have our loud, quiet, an economy brand and a luxury brand. And here's where they stand. You've got your gargantuan horse. It's up here. It's very loud. It's going to quickly become into the economy side. We have the little small horse that's here, which is more luxury, uh, a little quieter. And then if you ever go into the Ralph Lauren stores that have like their purple labels and stuff, there is no horse on there. Isn't that interesting? So no brand actually has a greater value. Does anybody familiar with Arcteryx? Do they know that brand? How many people know Arcteryx? A few people. So I think they got bought by REI. Does anybody know that for a fact? It's a fact now. 
Okay, so Arcteryx was started in Canada, and by my account, got bought out by REI a few years ago. Um, and um, they're just an, out, an, an outerwear brand, and they did some really awesome stuff 10 or 15 years ago when it was being made in Canada, it was, and that really built the brand, and they still make really amazing things. Um, they're all made, like most things now, over in Asia, um, and they're sold everywhere. I mean, you can buy an Arcteryx jacket just about anywhere. Well, the founders started a, a new little line called Arcteryx Valance. Um, probably about three years ago they started this. Uh, you can see it here. I couldn't find, they don't make exactly the same jacket. So here's a black jacket by Arcteryx Valance and a jacket over here just by Arcteryx. The Arcteryx Valance is now made in Canada and this jacket right here is about $1,300 for a, a ski coat. You know, the regular one's about $400. There is no branding on the Arcteryx Valance. There just isn't. There's, you, you would never buy an Arcteric Valance and want to show that off. That is the height of luxury that's happening there. Um, these are just, I don't know, more beer. So this is, these are some quick ones. So Fat Tire is a Colorado beer. I love their branding and their packaging. It's, it's beautiful. But just as contrast, here's another bold. Have you guys seen Upslope before? It is a bolder craft beer. But just really, it's just quieter, right? It's a little bit more put together. Here's a McDonald's. We've all seen that. And there's a Chipotle. We all know that McDonald's has a big interest in Chipotle, and this is much of it. Why? That we like this, this idea of having four things to choose and having a menu that's not blaring at you. Burt's Bees, you guys know that? The, they make bee things? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they make cuticle cream um, and lip shimmer. So um, Burt's Bees, you know, they. They have a great story. I think they're a really neat brand. I wouldn't say they're at the height of luxury by any means, but they're obviously in incredibly successful. Um, have you guys heard of Aesop? Two people here that know Common Projects and Aesop. I love it. All right. So Aesop is an Australian cosmetics brand, and their stores, if you want to see like, the coolest architecture of stores, check out like, their website. They probably have... 20 or so around, around the world, and each one of their stores is completely unique and completely interesting and, and uh, enticing. So look at the difference in their packaging. Um, it's just simple, it's quiet, and it just gets out of the way. Okay, so I have a couple of examples of getting back to kind of our industry of branded products um, that I wanted to share with you and how we can apply this to clients that uh, you might run into that are practicing this quiet design. Three weeks ago, we were in Austin visiting family and went to this uh, great restaurant called the Laundrette. Anybody from there or been there? Oh, some people, great. It's a beautiful restaurant, isn't it? You've been there? You haven't been? Okay, you need to go. All right, and I'll tell you why you're gonna go. So the Laundrette, some, they paid somebody a lot of money to design that beautiful logo. They picked out a really nice Pantone color in that blue there. It's just a gorgeous, all-around, well-designed um, restaurant. When we walked into the restaurant, there was a little uh, cup, and in the cup were, uh, who works for Bic here? Nobody, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a good thing. So, uh, but I just can't remember what the name of the, the model is. I think it's a Bic Click, the one that, yeah, okay. So, uh, it's the standard Bic pen. And they had um, a little cup full of the Bic Clicks. And I grabbed two, because they were so pretty. I'm in the promo business. We actually make pens at iClick, and I still wanted a Laundrette pen, a BitClick. So I thought it was, I'm going to show it to you here in a minute. Um, 
the reason why I wanted to show this example is because when you encounter a brand that you're feeling like, okay, they're over here in this more quieter design, how do I take something, as an example, let's say the client is, has, uh, they want the bit click, they definitely want a gold, because gold's in right now, and gold and white is a really great color combination, and the typical promo person is, well, here's your logo, and I love that blue, what's that Pantone color, that blue? Okay, great, we're gonna get that dialed up for you, and they mock it up, and they put the blue logo on this pen, which would look horrendous, would look horrendous, and it wouldn't be quiet. The gold matched on there looks perfect, but it wouldn't be natural for people to say, well, you would just take their logo and slap it on. So you're taking another step and saying, how do I quiet this down? And that's what they did here. And so whoever did that, hopefully was in our industry, did a phenomenal job. Um, this is obviously really extreme for branding on mugs, um, but a brand like Alpine Modern or other quiet design brands is never gonna want something like this um, as, as a promotional mug. This is something we did at Alpine Modern. This is just a growler, but you know we use this hex on our tile in our cafe. It's all hex tile, and we have a couple of cool designs we actually made into the tile. You, and we then took that tile and then represented it in this design here. But it's just a simple way of creating kind of a black on white, um, quiet design on a drinkware product. Okay, so let's go through some of the language of quiet design. We're gonna talk about typefaces, white space, colorways, tunnel decorations, and the efficiency of design. So us about fonts. So who brought up the thing about all the fonts that were on that? That was you. <laughs> Great observation. So what, this is like the simplest thing you could, you could ever do is just don't use so many fonts. And I'm giving you examples here not to say that this is what you should always do for your company or for every client, but when you're gonna present to a client, that is representative of this quiet design. You do not walk in there with a presentation that has more than two fonts on it. One would be even better. Um, I w and then I wanna give you a couple of these, these two fonts here and talk to you about this because this is a really easy way to make any presentation look great. Any brand that's into quiet design is going to appreciate it. So these are two free fonts, Garamond and Helvetica. You're sure everybody's familiar with Hel Helvetica. Um, What's nice about these two fonts and why I like to give these as recommendations to folks to use, number one, they're free. They're usually on your computer. Um, number two, they can be used for, for different clients. So your Helvetica is much more for your kind of modern, kind of tech-like client, and the Garamond's more for that kind of timeless, old-school client, and you can use those exclusively or in combination, and they work really well together. So you can use Helvetica as a headline and use Garamond as your typeface um, for uh, paragraphs and things like that. Okay, let's talk about white space for a minute. I'm not gonna use Alpine Modern Magazine, I'm gonna use uh, probably my other favorite magazine uh, that exists in print today, and their design is um, called Serial Magazine. Serial is published out of London, um, and they just do a phenomenal job with their branding and absolutely um, exemplify quiet design and everything they did. So here is just a, a really you know pretty layout. You've got two pages here. And look how much space they gave around the text here. It's just this really simple tool that whenever you think, you know, do I have enough white space? The answer is usually no. Get more white space, because it'll just add more presence and focus to whatever it is you want the client to see. Here's an example of this Nike logo, which I thought was kind of cool, because when I looked back on this, I mean, we all know it was the swoosh, but it was pretty darn close originally to what it is today. They really are one of the few brands that has a, a true timeless simple design, but used in this context can be really loud. 
put white space around it, and all of a sudden, it, like, it softens, and it feels right. It feels like the right amount of space around it. So just simple tricks. I show this one because I think the biggest mistake we can make in our industry for branding for companies that, that want more of that quieter design is making the logo too big on the product. So a company like Alpine Modern does not want their brand to be like, I don't want people walking on with the billboard on the chest they can see a mile away. I want somebody to kind of walk up and maybe see it. That's what I want. And so to show that and speak that language to folks like me is, is amazing. And nobody's talking that way. And I think that there's a big shift that needs to happen there. Let's talk about colorways. Um, I've shown you a lot of black and white. If you want to play it safe, always stick black and white. Every designer loves black and white because it's simple and it's quiet. But um, clearly brands have colors and, and, and products have colors. And so what do we do in those scenarios? You know, again, try not to incorporate too many. Don't try to be too loud. And there's some really great online tools. I like this one, this coolers.co, which is just a little generator. We can put somebody's Pantone color in, and then it can actually give you an array of colors that, that all kind of work together. It's super easy, and it's just a trick that you know, anybody can use, and it's free. Um, this is a trick that we use at Alpine Modern a lot. And again, I'm bringing this presentation up because I have really struggled to find products in our industry that we can use at Alpine Modern. And I'm in the industry, and I know a lot of people, and I'm trying really hard to find that right item to put our logo on, and it's been really difficult. But one of the things that, um, that we came across that, that seems to work quite well, and I think Mark brought it up with something with tonal with the, with the shirts, but just tone on tone. It's a really simple way of downplaying somebody's logo and quieting it down. This is a, a mug from ETS, and that's a, a tonal logo on there. I couldn't find somebody else's, but if you've ever seen that coffee can with the somebody's big yellow or whatever, it's very different than what it looks like here. Again, not better or worse. But to me, this says Alpine Modern Quiet Design. And you can do it with anybody's logo. It could be white, like a tonal white on there would look really pretty too. It's a simple trick. This is a custom hat uh, that we did in embroidery and so that the texture allows the logo to come off. And then that's a raglan crew neck, again, with the buffalo icon that we designed in a tonal print. It's a super easy thing to do. And efficient design. So as we talked about design being efficient and being really important to quiet design, I think this is um, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is trying to say more with less. This is that less is more approach, right? And this goes for anything from, from copy editing um, to how many pages um, your brochure, your presentation is. Just try to give people less but be smarter about what it is you're saying. And I have one quick example I want to show you here, which is what I just think is brilliant. So here you have somebody's email address, and without just saying a couple things, you can get everything across in a business card. In fact, if you could even bring this one up and say name, but it's pretty obvious. Again, take that away. So um, actually, one other thing I wanted to talk about with the efficiency in design, which I think is a, is a helpful trick that I've learned from some designers that I really um, look up to, is when you're building a presentation or laying anything out for a brand that is into this quiet design, start with the absolute bare minimum of information or elements that you need to convey your idea. Just start with that. And no design and no decoration, literally just kind of, if it's, if it's copy or present, just write it out and then start designing. Too many people take a template and they start taking things away. It's much kind of harder to add things in than, than take things away, and we want it to be minimal and quiet. 
we start with the bare minimum and then add little decorations as needed. And you'll find that most things are not necessary to convey your point. And that kind of went back to my first slide that I showed you, which had all the stuff on there. And then I showed you the next one. There was only five points, but it really conveyed the same amount of information. And it was a little bit um, quieter in everybody's eyes. OK. So lastly, um, I'm going to give you guys my 30 brands that somebody in here needs to be calling on, because these are quiet design brands. These are some of these, most of these you probably have never heard of before, but many of these doing at least 20 to $50 million a year in revenue, and I guarantee you no promotional product distributors are calling on them because they don't know how to talk the language that I just talked about. Some of them um, I wanted just to call out as major categories. A lot of them I've talked about in here too. Um, Michelin star restaurants. I put them up. Does everybody know what the Michelin star rating is? It's just basically the best restaurants, and they kind of have to follow this somewhat of a formula uh, in order to be categorized. I think there's maybe 15 Michelin star restaurants here in Chicago. Michelin's only in a few places in the United States, obviously in New York and in the Bay Area. Um, but kind of going back, that Laundrette is definitely from that ilk. They're not a Michelin star restaurant, but they have that kind of background. And I was thinking about how those guys, knowing that the quiet design, the quiet service and all that would really respond well uh, to this type of presentation and these types of products. And then I think there was one other one. Else. Oh, architecture firms too. You don't want to go after the graphic designers. They already know all this stuff. Uh, the ad agencies, clearly, it's kind of part of our competition. But architecture firms, what I just described here, I'm ta we're talking their language. This is what they want to hear. And so to come to them with quiet design products and a presentation that really speaks to them as designers would be really impressive. And I think you would really stand out from the crowd by doing so. Um, so with that, thanks. Any, uh, does anyone have any questions for Lon before we uh, move into our closing session? No, but I do own some, and I thought about wearing them, and I thought, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I told you how much they cost. <laughs> no, these are some other shoes. They're pretty quiet, though, right? Not so bad. I really thought a lot about how I was going to dress, because um, I was like, oh, they're going to be like, well, it's a really quiet shirt, or if I wore your shorts, that really wouldn't work, you know? <laughs> you seen his shorts? They're pink. They're really cool. Color coordinated. I love it. Brilliant. Uh, any other questions or? Cool, great. Thank you guys. Hey, Lon, I, I actually. Oh, you have a question? I, I, I have so many questions for you, but I, I want to ask one um, which is about quiet design, beauty. Um, uh, hey, Kate, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> um, quiet design, um, intimacy, boutiqueiness, right. uh, fashion. How does one reconcile that with um, scale, growth, mm. commercialism? And the reason I ask that is I saw a number of names on your slide there that um, I hadn't heard of before. And that doesn't mean that they're big or not successful. But then, of course, you've got Apple, which is, I think at the last check, the world's largest corporation. And they've employed quiet design. Mm -hmm. And then there's all sorts of people who have not um, um, applied that to their design thinking as well. So I'm just curious about how you reconcile this beauty with scale. Is that possible? 
I think it is possible to reconcile beauty with scale. I think that, I think it, de it clearly depends on who's the leader at the top of the company, right? Who's gonna, whether the, I don't think that this idea of quiet design is gonna take off like wildfire, like maybe it does in the Scandinavian countries where like almost you go into a bakery there or every Volvo, like everybody really like embraces that there. It's a smaller country and we're not. Um, so it's gonna be a small subset, but those that do will have I think a longer, uh, a longer tail for growth. And I think if, um, I think you're gonna start seeing more and more companies, boutiques and folks like that that will start that way. And I think they'll be popular because they've, um, they have been the quiet and the noise. And I think that it will stand out when you walk down the street and there's that retail store, you're just like, what is that? It's kind of what Ikea did, you know? And then, even though they're big, in a way they were so much quieter than like American Furniture Warehouse with the guy with the tiger that's like stroking it to get you to go in to buy his bed or something. And <laughs> so, I just came up with that. <laughs> uh, and I think that there's, there's just a, a primal need to find order uh, out of this chaos. And as our world gets just you know, busier and noisier, we're gonna find that. And I, and I you know, from an, I mean, Intelligentsia Coffee is a cool example here in Chicago that has clearly just gone off the charts in growth. And they've just had this kind of laser focus, there, you know, and they just, they nailed it. And maybe also growth isn't as important you know, from the hyper growth isn't as important to the quiet design companies that they're there more for, you know, bringing beauty to the world and, and kind of elevating the business that they're in. Uh, wow, then yeah. now we have all sorts of questions. <laughs> Rich. No, it's not. So it's, that's a good question. Sorry, I didn't want to talk a lot about what I was doing, just my, how I got to where, you know, the idea. The Alpine Modern is three, th I'm trying to create a lifestyle brand and trying to promote this idea of modern lifestyle, modern or quiet living for specifically for mountain communities and even more specifically for Boulder. And then we want to extend out into these kind of mountain towns and bring this modern architecture and design and lifestyle. So that does the three things. We have the editorial, it's the business. Um, and then the cafes and coffee shops and restaurants, and, and then we have the retail, and it's more home goods and accessories. It's like a modern gift shop. Um, yeah, so you can, yeah, yeah. So from the list of brands, I mean, you see there are two strategies that I see right away. You see someone who merges in an industry, a crowded industry like Tesla, mm -hmm. and clearly chose that path right out of here. Right. Let's, you know, let's make a shirt that people want to wear. 
let's make that copy of the survey actually wants to take to work with them. That thing which is just like the lock you build with them. That's not going to actually build brand loyalty. It's just going to kind of check the box on the marketer's you know, needs. And I, so I think it shows a lot of confidence in most contributors to walk in today, even brands that may not be doing it, but are progressive and open to new ideas to say, you know, have you thought about this? Let, let's try like a total footprint rather than start with something small and see how they react to it. I think what they will find is that those products actually get used more, that people are actually excited about them at work when they get it because it feels like that retail-like product. And, and then they'll be encouraged and, and really build confidence that you will want to do that. So, yeah. I, I know there was uh, maybe a time for one more question. Uh, Adam. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, shit. You <laughs> were like, so good up there. And I was like, oh, maybe she can tell the story louder. Um, so I, you know, what I want to ask Bobby, and I think this is this is interesting, is that you know, brands now have less of an ability to tell their one story through their platform because everybody's a storyteller, and that's difficult for a brand because, like, um, and even on Instagram, right? So we've got sixty-six thousand followers on Instagram. We're telling our story through their look at the comments and then the folks that are like posting up to us and building and almost constructing their story around ours. So what my theory is, what I, and I think why Quiet Design still works for them, is that most evolved companies will create the canvas and the platform for folks to tell the story through. Because I don't think that the best stories are ones that we come up with about ourselves. They're real stories that say the ones that customers and the public actually come Like the Nike brand isn't because of what they said, it's of what people just look at that and have a sense of it because of our shared values for that brand we've all constructed over years and years. So I think the more we can just open that up and be like kind of this blank space, this white space to kind of fill your blanks of what you think, I think that's more powerful, it's longer lasting, but it takes more patience and restraint because for a long, you know, without my water, like you're, you're much buzz, but not really. Like everyone's quote unquote talking about us in Colorado, but are they? Because we're not like in every like newspaper advertisement, but we're not really anywhere, but in some ways we're in everybody's heads. It's really weird. So maybe in a couple years I'll come back and be like, oh, that's I've got it work. But I think it's gonna work. So I think we can put platform through the not design. It's the undesigned, I think, which is what I'm trying to get to now. Quiet design allows everybody else to throw the lights for you is pretty powerful. Wow. Thanks, sir. That was amazing.